Acts 22, Part 1, from the sermon series, Acts the Holy Spirit, spoken by Pastor Sunita Pontan. We are continuing in our sermon series in the book of Acts. Um, And growing up and into early adulthood, I never really thought too much about my American citizenship. Um, I was born and raised in America, and this was pretty much all I knew. And I had, had traveled abroad a few times, but really all that's required is that your passport is updated. But in 2010, when I was in seminary, I decided to go to Kenya. Uh, for the summer. And um, in preparing for that, I was really anxious and I was excited. And there was a group of four of us um, from Duke that were going. And our Duke advisor said to us that there are parts of our itinerary that were considered um, unsafe by the State Department. And as a result, we were required to um, submit our itinerary to the State Department, let them know where we were going to be, and make sure that we um, had the phone number and the contact information for the U.S. Embassy in Nairobi in the capital. We also had to make sure that we had the contact information for Duke if anything should happen. And so as I filled out all these forms and I made copies of my passport and and I wrote down all this information in the notebook that we had to keep, and it occurred to me that there are advantages to being an American. Should any sort of political unrest take place, the United States government would shield me in the embassy. And um, if I would get sick or something else would happen, Duke would be there to help me out. And, in my, and I knew that um, if there was some sort of political unrest that the State Department would know my whereabouts and would come get me. In my mind, I sort of imagined that uh, the, 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 they would come into the village and start screaming my name and then the soldiers would come and take me out and surround me and get me to safety, right? I know it was kind of crazy, it's kind of like a movie, but that's what I thought. And thankfully, nothing happened. It was a nice, um, safe visit. Um, But what occurred to me was that the United States government was willing to protect me, and not because I'm a nice person or I was going to Kenya for humanitarian reasons, or even because the United States government is that benevolent. They were doing it simply because I was an American. Do they care about me personally? Maybe. Probably not. But they knew that they had decided there was a commitment to me as an American. My American citizenship had this advantage that if I were away on foreign soil and something should happen, they would come get me. That's why they negotiate for um, hostages, American hostages in, in, in other places, right? There were advantages to my citizenship. There were privileges to it. There were privileges to it. Yet I'm reminded that while I enjoy the benefits of an earthly citizenship, I also hold another citizenship, an even greater one. And that is a heavenly citizenship. And sometimes the two can come in tension with one another. We're taught to be loyal to America. How many of you, raise your hand if you had to learn the Pledge of Allegiance and recite it in grade school, right? In elementary school. They are teaching us to be loyal to America but we have an even greater loyalty. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves seduced by the comforts of our earthly citizenship or just not thinking about it at all. And we find ourselves in this tension with our heavenly calling. What's more is if we continue to live into our earthly citizenship, we harm others and we die ourselves. Now, not a physical death, but our souls begin to decay. 
And we never become the true witnesses of Jesus Christ, showing the world that there is indeed a better way. In today's passage, we will see how Paul uses his citizenship to his benefit. And we'll also see some of the dangers of of, of possessing earthly citizenship. But we're also going to let the Bible guide us to understand how we remain loyal to our heavenly calling despite earthly pitfalls. We're picking up from last week's passage and sermon, and, and Paul has been speaking to the Jewish, a Jewish crowd making what was supposed to be his defense. But as Pastor Peter mentioned last Sunday, he's really talking about his obedience to God's calling upon his life. And his calling was pretty unique, as each one of us has our own unique calling. And Paul's calling was to go be a Jew among Gentiles. His mission would be a mission of suffering because it included rejection from his own people. He was a Jew, a very prominent Jew, and his faithful obedience to to God would cause him to be under attack. This week's passage begins with the Jewish crowd in an uproar because Paul proclaims that God has called him to the Gentile community. Paul is telling them that God has a word and a purpose and a plan even for the Gentile community. So that's what we're picking up with today, this morning. We are going to be looking at Acts chapter 22, verses 21 through 29. Acts chapter 22, verses 21 through 29. Um, If you have your Bibles or in your app, you can follow along. And of course, it's going to be on the, the screen behind me. Acts 22, verses 21 through 29. Then the Lord said to me, this is Paul speaking, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him, he's not fit to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. And the type of flogging that Paul would endure is actually called scourging. It's when they take a leather whip and they tie into it bones, they, um, they sew into it bones and metal pieces that it would attach to your body and almost kind of rip the skin off of your body. So this is what was going to happen to Paul. And as, as they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do, he asked. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship, but I was born a citizen, Paul replied. Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in change. This is the word of God. So Paul is being attacked by the Jews. A Roman commander intervenes, but doesn't know what's going on, so he plans to sort of beat the information out of Paul. Paul declares his Roman citizenship, and just like that, they withdraw. Paul's declaration as a citizen of Rome made all the difference in that moment. In that moment, Paul was freed from interrogation and saved from beating. Now why? Why was citizenship so important? So we know what it means to be a citizen. 
Um, if we had to use an example, a citizen, uh, excuse me, a definition, a clear definition, a citizen is a native or naturalized person who owes allegiance to a government and is entitled to protection from it. A citizen is also an inhabitant of a city or town, especially one entitled to the rights and privileges of a free person. Citizenship comes with privileges, as we see in this passage. According to Roman law, all Roman citizens were assured exclusion from all degrading forms of punishment. So Roman citizens couldn't be crucified, they couldn't be beaten like this. In addition, Roman law protected its citizens from being arrested without their first being a hearing. So Paul being flogged or being beaten would have violated Roman law in two ways. First, he would have been punished before he had been um, tried and sentenced. Two, he would have undergone a certain type of punishment that even if he were guilty, he should not have gotten because he was a Roman citizen. Roman citizenship also granted Paul the right to appeal his case to Caesar, which we'll see in the coming weeks, and this allows him to preach the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. Now, we have privileges too. As Americans, we know we have the Bill of Rights, we have the Constitution, we have the freedom of speech, the right to bear arms, we have the right to a trial by jury, the right to, to confront our accused. We have religious freedom, which is why we can be in, in a church this morning without anyone coming up against us. Citizenship has its privileges, but as children of God and as citizens of heaven, we should be careful not to become so loyal to our earthly citizenship that we forget we have a higher calling. What many of us forget at times is that we actually hold dual citizenship. And I'm not talking about between your home country and the United States, but between an earthly geographic or political locale and heaven. If you recall, a few weeks ago, Pastor Peter told us that while Paul was in Jerusalem during this time, he was also writing the book of Philippians. So if we go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, we see Paul remind us, that, remind us and the people of Philippi that we have another citizenship. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul writes, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. By virtue of our new birth, we become citizens of heaven. We have a higher citizenship. In Philippians, Paul is talking to the church at Philippi, which is a, it was a part of a Roman colony. And so they were really proud of their Roman citizenship. And Paul says, great, be proud of your Roman citizenship, but just know you are also a citizen of heaven. Before you are American, you're a citizen of heaven. Before you're Indian, Italian, whatever it is, we are Christians, we are children of God. Amen. And in Philippians, Paul reminds us that if we believe in Jesus Christ, we are citizens of heaven. Amen. Heavenly citizenship is not based upon where you were born, but if you have been reborn. Amen. Let me say that again. Heavenly citizenship is not about where you were born, but if you've been reborn. Amen. Unlike earthly citizenship, you can't inherit this citizenship. Your mother and father may have been a citizen, may have been a Christian, but you have to come to know Jesus for yourself. It doesn't matter if you have a criminal record. If you think about it, we're all guilty sinners. We just know that we have been saved by the grace of God. Christ is not looking at how much money you have, but the condition of your heart. 
Do you believe in him? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that he lived a perfectly sinless life and yet he died for our sins? Do you believe that he died? And do you believe that he rose on the third day? It's our faith in Christ that makes us citizens of heaven. But having dual citizenship, we find ourselves often in this quandary. How do we be loyal to our heavenly citizenship while still living on earth? But at the same time, we can't be so heavenly minded that we pay no attention to our earthly condition. Now, some of you might be saying, I don't have any problems. I don't see the tension. Well, let me tell you, when I first read this passage, and I first started meditating on it a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't thinking about being a citizen of heaven. That wasn't the first thing that came to my mind. What first came to my mind was the political climate we find ourselves in. That a person can declare their citizenship and be treated differently in this country. That there's something about earthly citizenship that gives us an advantage and a privilege and a protection. But I was also reminded that as citizens of heaven, we have a protection. And we have a charge, not just to protect ourselves, but to protect others. So stay with me for a few minutes. Because it's so easy to fall into into the seduction of our earthly citizenship that we forget that there's something more and something greater. Living into our earthly citizenship will kill our souls. Our primary loyalty is to be citizens of heaven. So how do we do that? How do we live into our loyalty as citizens of heaven while still remaining on earth? The first way we remain loyal to our heavenly citizenship while on earth is to be inclusive. Be inclusive. Heaven is about inclusivity. Earthly citizenship is about exclusivity. Citizenship is by definition a privilege enjoyed by a particular class of people to the exclusion of others. In the passage from last week, Paul is telling this story and and the crowd is fine with him until verse 21 when he says, then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to to the Gentiles, excuse me. Now immediately the Jews raise their voice and they begin shouting and throwing their their clothes off and throwing dust in the air. And so you might be wondering, what is the big deal? Well, the big deal is that the Jews are trying to build a Jewish nationalism and Paul is seen as being disloyal to all that is Jewish. He's threatening their nationalism by speaking of being a Jew among the Gentiles. The Jews did not want the Gentiles brought into their fold. The problem with Paul was that he was inviting the Gentiles into what the Jews considered their territory, the promises of God. But Paul was clear about his call and he was clear about God's plan that the Gentiles were to be included. In fact, it was the Jews who were mistaken. When we go back and we read our Bibles and we go back to Genesis, we see that God speaks to Abraham and when he gives him a covenant, God tells Abraham, I am going to make your offspring as, as, as many as the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. But he also says, and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. The plan had always been for the Gentiles to be brought into the promises of God. But the Jews could not see that. 
They were fixated on nationalism and exclusivity. Their desire to create their own citizenry made them exclusivists. There was no room in their understanding of God to include non-Jews. And that is the danger of earthly citizenship. We seek to keep people out. Earthly citizenship builds walls and fences. We build dividers among people, even dividers among families. We will let people out, sure, but you can't come in. Have you ever been told to go back to where you came from? The implication is not to go back to Boston or New York City. For me, the implication may be to go back to Africa. For you, it may be go back to Colombia or Korea. Do you remember that feeling of exclusion and embarrassment, maybe even shame? The implication was that you couldn't possibly be American looking like that and sounding like that. Your citizenship couldn't be the same as mine. Rather than looking for ways to include, sometimes we are looking for ways to exclude, creating barriers to hoard the privileges of citizenship for ourselves. What is the value of citizenship if it, if it doesn't include the benefits of government protection and rights and privileges, but rather than let people in, our fear of encroachment keeps people out. Too often, earthly citizenship suffers from the danger of exclusivity. But you might be saying, well, that's, that's global, that's national. Well, what about our personal lives? If we're not careful, we'll model exclusion instead of inclusion. Think about who you hang out with. Do they only look like you? Do they only sound like you? Here's another test, and I was listening to um, Pastor Alex G's podcast, and he had this woman on, and she gave this great scenario. She said, look at who was at your wedding. Look at your wedding pictures. That'll tell you who your friendship group is. Now, you can't go back and, and redo your wedding, but what can you do now? Look around you, Metro. Like really, right now, look around you. <laughs> this is fertile ground for you to develop relationships with people who are different from you. I challenge you to make your friend group look more like the kingdom of heaven. Because while in this world we face the danger of exclusivity, as citizens of heaven, we are called to be inclusive people. Earthly citizenship tries to keep people out, but heavenly citizenship invites people in. Jesus said it himself. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life Christ died for all of us. The Bible says that he desires that none of us should perish. As citizens of heaven, we're not trying to keep people out. We want everyone to come in. We, we welcome the stranger. Our call is come, join us, all of you. Earthly citizenship builds walls and barriers to keep people out. Citizens of heaven let others know that there is a place for them in heaven. 
Heavenly citizens realize that heaven is not, is not a country club for just the cool kids. It's for everyone. We remain loyal to our heavenly citizenship when we are inclusive. Now, the second way we remain loyal to our citizenship in heaven is by loving others. And I know it sounds so cliche and so simple, but it really is true. We are called to love everyone. In the earthly realm, we often treat people differently if they're not a part of our group, if they're not a part of our earthly citizenship. The Roman government treated people differently. Look at the text. We're looking at verses 25 through 29. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do, he said. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship, but I was born a citizen. Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. Paul was treated differently the moment it was confirmed that he was a Roman citizen. If you were a Roman citizen, you were afforded certain rights, such as not being punished before you had your day in court. There was also certain punishments that the government thought were too degrading for Roman citizens, even if you were found guilty. So why was it okay to be savage? Why was it okay for Paul to be savagely beaten when everyone thought he was an outsider? But as soon as he declared his citizenship, we had to stop. Then he could be saved from pain and degradation. What changed about Paul from the time that they stretched him out to be beaten to the time they withdrew? Did he become more of a human, more of a person after he declared his Roman citizenship? Why were punishment before trial and this inhumane treatment not acceptable for people like Romans, but they were acceptable for outsiders? Because the truth is the Romans knew at least intuitively that their behavior was cruel because they reserved it for people who was not like them they would never have flogged a Roman citizen. Why do we treat people differently because they are not like us in the name of citizenship and nationalism? Why is it okay to separate some families and work desperately to preserve others? Let me be plain. When will we stop placing Latino children in detention centers and cages, separating them from their parents? We would never do that to American children. Is citizenship so important that it overrides the humanity of others? Is it so important that it overrides our own humanity? We have to be careful about the danger of earthly citizenship because it breeds prejudice. Earthly citizenship faces the danger of prejudice, but our heavenly calling, our heavenly citizenship, calls us to love all. 
Our citizenship in heaven calls us to follow the golden rule, what we've been taught since the age of the tots that were standing before us. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Whereas earthly citizenship can be marked by prejudice, as citizens of heaven, we're called to love everyone. And I love the way Pastor Peter says it. He says, to love everyone with no strings attached. We are called to love others with the love of Christ, period. In fact, we are to love them the way we love ourselves, even if they are different from us. If it's not good enough for us, then it's not good enough for them. A few months ago, Deborah Moore, Mama Moore, organized the open store. And one of the requirements was that you had to bring your donations to the park. Now, this was mainly for logistical reasons, right? We don't have the manpower, we don't have the storage to transport all this stuff. But another effect it had was for the people who donated and stayed, and I've spoken with you, it gave you an opportunity to see people. To see that the people who needed the clothing were just like you. Moms and dads looking for back to school clothes for their kids. Men looking for something appropriate to wear to work. Women hoping to find a cute outfit they might wear on a date. Parents looking for baby clothes because they know that their kid outgrows it so quickly. And so the volunteers went to work. You went to work helping people shop for the right outfit, pulling out the best looking items so that others could look and feel their best. Heavenly citizenship is wanting the absolute best for others the way you want it for yourself. We don't treat other people differently because they're not like us or they're they're not in God's kingdom yet. No, we love them including and until they join us in the kingdom. Earthly citizenship makes distinctions, but we remain loyal to our citizenship in heaven when we love other people. So we remain loyal to our heavenly citizenship on earth by first being inclusive, second, loving others, and finally treating people equally. Showing showing no partiality. Hierarchy is a danger of earthly citizenship. Let's look again at verses 27 and 28. The commander went to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship, but I was born a citizen, Paul replied. Now, there were three ways to obtain Roman citizenship. The first, a reward for your service to Rome. The second was to purchase it at a considerable price. And the third was if you were born into it. If you were born into a family of Roman citizens, the commander had bought his citizenship. Paul was born into it. Now, this was unusual even during that time in Jerusalem because most Jews were not Roman citizens. And how Paul came to be a Roman citizen, we don't know. We don't know how his family um, gained their citizenship. But Paul was born into it. And because of that, he was better. Having been born, born into Roman citizenship, Paul maintained a higher status than the commander. So while the commander and Paul were both citizens, Paul's was sort of like first tier, and the commander's was second tier. 
we have to be careful of the danger of hierarchy. Because the gospel, because our heavenly calling is to treat everyone equally. God treats each one of his children equally and we are called to do the same. God does not love the CEO any more than he loves the person who cleans the office. There is no hierarchy in God. Romans 2.11 reminds us God does not show favoritism. And in James chapter two, James reminds us not to treat the poor differently than we do the rich. We are all of his children equally. Christ makes no distinctions. When he died, he died once, and the best part is that he died for all of us. And when he rose, he rose for all of us. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, There is nor male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. There is no hierarchy in God's economy, so there shouldn't be any hierarchy in our lives either. Ask God to help you see Jesus in each person you meet. Because the hallmark of citizens of heaven is that we treat everyone equally. So you know I'm the pastor of Justice, Advocacy, and Compassion, and the homeless ministry falls underneath uh, my ministry. But the reason why I love homeless ministry has absolutely nothing to do with the church. It has everything to do with my father. And I've told you before, my father is not a Christian. But he has this wonderfully large heart. So very uh, many years ago, when I was, I don't know, maybe middle school or elementary school, we were in Penn Station in New York. A friend of mine was visiting from Ohio when she was taking the bus. And so my whole family was there to meet her. My, my mother, my father, me and my brother. And somehow, my father struck up a conversation with a homeless man. I have no idea what that conversation was about. Maybe he asked my father for money, maybe he didn't. I don't know. All I remember was my father talking to this man, and at some point, the man is sitting on the, you know, kind of against the wall, and at some point, my father goes down and helps the man stand up. And he puts his arm, he puts the man's arm around his shoulder, and they start walking arm in arm out of Penn Station. Well, my mom, the Christian, freaks out. She's like, what is going on? And under her breath, she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And so she takes me and my brother, one on each side, and we're kind of walking, shuffling behind him. Because my mom is so nervous. My mom is so worried. And so I, I don't know what they were talking about. I just know he, he, he helps this man outside of Penn Station. And at some point, they separate. And the man says, thank you. My father kind of does what he does. And then he turns back around to us. And my mom is like, what are you doing? What, well, you know, why did you do that? And my father is a man of very little words, and he sort of shrugs his shoulders and he says, he needed help. So I helped him. And that was it. That was the end of the conversation. I learned in that moment that it really doesn't matter why someone needs help. And it doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter if I know them or not. My father didn't care that this man was homeless. He saw a man. That's it. He saw a man. And as children of God, as citizens of heaven, that is the calling for us. To see each person, a man, a woman, a child, 
as a child of God, in the image of Christ. We don't make distinctions because we're all God's children. When we read the Bible, we, we, we must read it to see what God has to say to us. What does he want to reveal in our lives? Or what is, his, what is he calling us uh, to? What is the attention that he wants us to have to the text? And, and I have to admit, when I first read this passage, I told you earlier that citizenship in heaven wasn't the first thing that came to my mind. It was really what is happening in the earthly realm right now. What's happening with our, our earthly citizenship right now? It was clear to me that exclusion, prejudice, and, and hierarchy aren't just hallmarks of first century Rome. It is what's happening right now. My heart broke because it was so obvious to me, and I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed because as an American, I am complicit. I can't say, well, I'm not separating children from their parents, so it doesn't involve me. And I can't say I'm not the one doing the ice raid so it it makes no difference to me. Because the fact of the matter is I can't claim the privileges of American citizenship, right, that the State Department is going to come to Kenya to come get me without accepting the responsibility for my citizenship. I believe the Lord's heart is breaking while we sit comfortably. But what God made clear to me is that we don't wake up one day ripping children from their parents. We don't wake up one day demonizing one group over another. It's built over time, like a wall, brick by brick. It begins with only hanging out with people that look like you. That's one brick. Add to it the belief that you're better than someone else. That's another brick. Add to it not speaking up when someone makes a comment about another group of people. That's another brick. Because over time, we just start to develop a hardened heart, an exclusive heart, a prejudiced heart, a heart that embraces hierarchy. And of course there are other factors, but you, you get the picture. If we don't care for our heart, heart and constantly ask God to, to, to look at it, if we don't constantly take our hearts before God and seek forgiveness and change, then these earthly tendencies will take over and spread like cancer. Because earthly citizenship can have terrible consequences if left unchecked. It leads to violence, it it leads to death. Look at what happened in El Paso a few weeks ago. Exclusivity, prejudice, hierarchy were on display. But we have power to live ourselves in heavenly loyalty and to inspire others to do so as well. We can assert our citizenship. When we look in the text, that's what Paul does. He asserts his citizenship, and it's to preserve life. And yes, it was to preserve his life, but he gives us a model to follow. How can we use our citizenship to preserve life? Most of us in this room are American citizens. 
which means that we have the power and the right to challenge the inhumane treatment of other people in the name of American citizenship. We can write letters to government officials. We can speak up on behalf of others who are afraid of retaliation. Paul shows us that we can use our citizenship to preserve life. But we also can assert our heavenly citizenship. We can ask God to search our hearts for signs of exclusion and prejudice and hierarchy. We can pray for people who live in fear. We can befriend someone who feels targeted or isolated because of their citizenship status. And this is not just Latinos. They just happen to be the ones that we're talking about today. Because we know there's so many who live in the shadows. There's a group of people who will soon be trained to visit immigrants held in county jails in New Jersey through the group First Friends, if you, if you consider being trained with them, press into the people in your personal life who you have the most aversion for. Because those are the people that God wants to use to work in you. So, so when, I, when, I, when I arrived in Nairobi, in Kenya, I absolutely felt like an American. And if you've ever traveled abroad, especially to poorer countries, you know that Americans are targets. We're not, I mean, sometimes it's for violence, but it's mostly for money, right? You, we, we're considered wealthy no matter who we are. And in many instances, we are wealthier than the locals. And because we are considered so wealthy, we become targets for vendors. They want to sell something to you and they give you the American price, not the local price. <laughs> Right? Like the American price is like the cost plus a half or more. Some people come up to you because they're like, oh, you have money, just give me a donation. So I felt like an outsider because I was an American. And then I'm in Kenya, and while I consider myself to be black, I'm African American, but I'm also fairly light skinned. So in Kenya, I was called Mzungu. Mzungu means white person. Yes. So imagine how discombobulated I am. <laughs> I'm black in America, but I'm white in Kenya. Like there's a lot going on right here. But the wonderful thing is that I did not feel like an outsider for long. I don't have pictures and I'm sorry for that. I could not get them off my old computer. But I wish you could see some of the faces of the families that I stayed with because they fully embraced me. I lived with some of the most amazing families who translated every conversation for me so that I could be a part of it. They loved on me like I was one of their own. When we would go visit, I would often be introduced as another daughter of the woman I was staying with. They taught me worship songs in their native language of Luo so I could participate in church. They taught me to cook meals. They even taught me how to kill a chicken. <laughs> if for some odd reason I should ever need to eat <laughs> and kill my own chicken. <laughs> Life skills. But what they were doing was they were removing any barriers between me and them. They determined to include me. And I wasn't treated differently because I was an outsider. Actually, they take hospitality um, at such a high regard that I was actually treated even better 
right? That's how much they loved on me. They demonstrated heavenly citizenship to me. In a world that constantly seeks to divide us by gender, by, by ethnicity, by citizenship, by, by ability, I was welcomed with arms wide open. I was reminded daily of the love of God shown through his children, and it felt like home. And far away from my heavenly home, excuse me, far away from my earthly home, I felt like home. And even farther away from my heavenly home, I caught glimpses of it in Kenya. Can we be that to our brother or sister? Can we show them glimpses of what home looks like? The home that God has called each one of us to. That heavenly home. That is our charge, Metro. That is our charge. That we can be the type of people that show people, that show others a glimpse of what heaven looks like here on earth. That is our charge. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father, we thank you so much that you love us. God, we thank you that when you looked at this world, you didn't care about our ethnicity. You didn't care about our gender. You didn't care about our ability or inability. You didn't care about what we looked like. You didn't care about how much money we had. You didn't care about the family that we were born into or the country we were born into. God, you loved us all. And you demonstrated that love by dying for us, God. Lord, we are humbled by your love. And we are challenged by your love. God, we pray that you would constantly go before us that you would show us the ways in which we fail to include, the ways we fail to love other people, the ways we fail to show partiality, to show equality, God. Lord, help us to love others the way you love us. And God, it seems so simple and yet it's so hard. Help us to do the deep work in ourselves that we might make this earth look a little bit more like heaven, God. Because that's the prayer that we pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's through your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. So if you have your communications card, please turn it over inside um, on it or on the app. I'm gonna take you through our next steps. Number one, I'm committing my life to Jesus for the first time. That's always the first step. If you've never done it before, I invite you to do so today. Jesus loves you. And I am so sorry 
if men and women in this world have failed to love you the way you need it, and because of that, you can't imagine a God who loves you unconditionally. But try him. He does. He already does. So if you've never done that before and you want to do that today, please check off that box. And I invite you to join us at the next table right outside those double doors after service. We can pray with you. We can talk with you a little bit more about what it means to say that you're committing your life to Jesus. Number two, please send me more information on how I can support local immigrants. As I mentioned, there's a group of people that'll be training to, to go into detention centers locally and just develop friendships with the immigrants who are right here near us, who are being held. If you're interested in that, check that box. Number three, I will ask God to show me ways to value my heavenly citizenship more than my earthly citizenship. We all have some work that we need God to do in our hearts. Check that box so we can live above what this world is offering us. Number four, I will pray for families separated by citizenship status. And that could be any family. It's hard when you can't see your family members. I love the children in my family and I'm not even a parent. I can't imagine if I couldn't see them. I couldn't imagine if I couldn't go visit my family. And there are many of you in this room and many in this country who because of citizenship status cannot be with your families. Let's pray for each other. Number five, please send me more information on volunteering with Metro Kids. You heard the call earlier. Check that box and now we'll get back to you. And number six, I will read Acts 22, verse 30 through 23, 11 in preparation for next Sunday. <laughs>